welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome back. I'm Jen, your host today of Turn the Page, the official podcast of Syosset Public Library. And I am joined by, at this point, a friend of the show. You've been here several times and you are here today with a project that uh, just made my little Trekkie heart so happy. So hello, welcome back. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and the book that you are here with today? My name is Mike Chen. I am a New York Times bestselling author. And today I am here to talk about the paperback release of my comic miniseries, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, The Dog of War. Oh, it is so delightful. I had so much fun reading this and getting to revisit these characters. I am um, a DS9 super fan. It is my favorite incarnation of Star Trek. And um, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about, this might be a big question at the same time, but like your journey to this project and like your personal journey as a Trek fan. <laughs> Well, those are two very big questions. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, so I started off um, as, um, so when I was growing up, my dad was an original series fan, which me meant that like I was all in on Star Wars and like <laughs> not into Star Trek. Um, I got into it more like late TNG. Um, so like I saw all the movies in theaters uh, and I was really starting to get into it. And uh, one of my, one of my nerdy star Wars friends was also a huge Trekkie. And so he kind of like brought me into it. And then when I met my wife, my wife is a huge, huge Trekkie. And so like, we just kind of like exponentially accelerated each other there. Um, I had watched DS9 off and on in syndication. It was really hard to watch in syndication, um, and then I watched more of it when it was on reruns on sci-fi in like the early 2000s, but it, it was still kind of hard to watch. I just, I knew I liked it, but, and I got like the basics of the story, but like there were huge gaps in it. And then um, when it finally got on Netflix, I think around like 2009 or so, I, I watched most of it there. Um, and that's when I concluded that uh, like TNG is my favorite trek you know it's like the one that i feel like the most you know it, they are my, my first true trek but ds9 is by far the, like the best series in trek like in terms of quality of writing and presentation and themes and everything uh and i will be on record as saying i think ds9 is the greatest tv series ever made because the way that the fact that it exists coming from like the 90s is just impossible like how like the level of serialized storytelling and like the weight of like a, a franchise legacy in terms of like world building like all the different variables they had to deal with you know a black captain <laughs> which not everyone was cool with in the 90s um like the fact that it, it came out the way that it did is just a miracle Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I, I think the distinction that you made was point uh absolutely on point. Cause I think I feel similar. Like if I picked a, a favorite, it's TNG, but DS9 is the best. Like the TNG yeah. cast feels like family and DS9 mm -hmm. 
like my best friends. <laughs> you know, yes. <laughs> Uh, and I, I will also like not to discount like Voyager at all. So like one thing that happened in the past few years. So I mentioned my wife is uh, a big Trekkie. Uh, she had actually never watched DS9 until a few years ago. And I had never watched Voyager. She loves Voyager so much. And we'd always talked about like, you know, we have to fill in these gaps within our, our Trek fandom. And so when, when like we were at peak pandemic, like 2020, and we're like, we have absolutely nothing to do. So we marathoned, like we first did Voyager uh, for me, and then we did um, DS9 for her. Um, and then now I would say 50% of our viewing time now is like, do you want to put on a DS9 for Voyager? <laughs> Just <laughs> It's our comfort show. And there's so much of it that you can always revisit it and it feels fresh. Oh, yeah, Voyager is so good too. And mm. it does, they do such bold storytelling. And it does like, it feels like, um, you know, each show, even though some are darker than others, like it really does just feel like you're hanging out with a bunch of really good friends who were just like, mm -hmm. do their best, you know? And there's something yeah. that's really comforting about that. Um, and I love what you mentioned about DS9 and how groundbreaking it was, both in terms of its serialized storytelling and in terms of the diversity of its crew and especially having a Black captain that was huge at the time, as you said. Um, could you talk a little bit about, oh, one thing I did notice before I move on to that is that um, as I was reading your story, mm -hmm. I realized that like DS9 was telling stories that took place um, in our time, 30 years after TOS, like, right, there's like yeah. the Dribble episode where they're paying homage to the original series on its 30th anniversary. And we're now that far removed from DS9. Yeah. <laughs> and so like that show is, it felt so groundbreaking at the time and it still is, but now it's also Star Trek history. You yes. Know? Yeah. Like, yeah. What was it like to um, play with these like extremely well-known like characters and worlds and, you know, doing so while honoring canon such that mm -hmm. it is with like a world of time travel, but yeah. also imposing your original voice. I, I think I, so this is my, I guess, third IP project. I, I wrote, you know, Star Wars short story before this and then a Star Wars novel. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gave me a sense of like how to be creative while respecting like the boundaries uh, of established uh, world building. Um, I will say that with Trek, uh, Trek was not as uh, nitpicky. N nitpicky is not the right word, but like restrictive as Star Wars. Like Star Wars, like had a lot more level of approval to go through. Um, the way that this story came about. So um, I, I I tweet when I I used to be on Twitter more. It's 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 a difficult place right now. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was on Twitter a lot. Um, and now still, like I guess if, if you are on Blue Sky, Blue Sky has a good Trek fandom. Um, I tweeted about DS9 a lot. And so my editor, um, Heather Antos at IDW, she messages me and she goes, I hear you like DS9. And I'm like, I love DS9. <laughs> and so she goes like, would you want to put together some pitches because we're going to do a mini series to honor the 30th anniversary? Um, and so I gave her five different pitches, um, and, uh, the, I, I wish I could tell you about the other ones, but I can't, um, but this one, so one of the pitches was like, court gets a dog and it was just like a one line, like court gets a dog. 
<laughs> and the other one was um, Cisco uh, salvages some Borg tech that could help win the war, but he has to confront his own you know, Borg PTSD about that. And so Heather said, like, um, what if we melded those together? And so I wrote a treatment for that. And that's what became the dog of war. Oh, it's so such a good idea. And I think it does what the show itself did really well, which is like really expertly balancing um, darker storytelling than Star Trek had really traditionally let itself do, mm -hmm. but also maintaining like some of that like silliness that is sort of also <laughs> inherent to Trek. Yeah, it was very important to balance like, you know, the at first you don't know which is the A plot and which is the B plot. <laughs> They're both kind of there, but one of them is silly and one of them is serious. And then like they kind of intertwine when you hit the third act. <laughs> Oh, it's it's so much fun. And I'll just just like when I was looking at the cover, when it was mm -hmm. me, I was just like, Corgi, Borg, yeah. Corgi, like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. And I just like I sent all my Trek friends the cover. And I'm like, look at this. You need to read this. It's so great. So speaking actually of art and um, of writing for a mm -hmm. visual storytelling medium, what was the collaboration on this project like? What was it like working with your artists and your colorists and all and all that your team? So that was a new experience for me. Um, the, so the way that I write prose, I actually write um, chapters like I, I, I kind of skeleton draft them. It's a lot of dialogue, um, some prose, but also like when I, my brain's not working for prose, I just like kind of bullet point stage direction. So it that adapted really well to comics. The main thing was like understanding that, that the dialogue had to be shorter. Um, and then get into the idea of like five to seven panels, like of breaking up the action. Um, when I turned in my first draft for issue one, my my editor, Heather was very gentle with me. She goes, this is great, but you wrote the first chapter of a book. This is not a comic book. I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> so, so, you know, she kind of talked about like, you know, the pacing had to change, like the stakes had to change. Like you basically had to get into things faster. And once I understood that, then the the rest of the issues, because they were delivered on like monthly scripts, um, it came together much easier. Uh, so I feel like really confident if if they will ever bring me back. And I, I, I think it's okay to say publicly that like I have pitched them like many, like, many nerdy stories of like that take place in like the TNG Voyager DS9 timeline, but they're like, we're, we're actually not doing that right now. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well just keep me in mind, you know, because I would love to write about, you know, Tom Paris or someone. <laughs> oh yes. Oh my gosh. Oh uh, yeah. Speaking of like favorite characters and characters that you want to uh, write about when you were crafting this story, um, who were you, who were your like, must-haves like were there any um like particular everyone <laughs> i mean yeah it's such a cohesive crew that it really is like you have to it's like all or none um but were there any that like all right let's frame it a different way any that were particularly easy or challenging for you to write like they're mm. <laughs> i you know I, the the best feedback that i've gotten from from trekkie readers is they say they can hear the actors voices in the dialogue and so when they read it, they say it feels like an episode. And that's like the best feedback that I can get. Um, I think like 
if I wrote a different story, I would probably have more of Garrick and Nog in it. Um, but because like there is only so much space to go, um, and like the you know the key players kind of change issue per issue. What I try to do is every issue has like a different like one or two highlight characters. So there's like you know the wharf hunts down the mercenary like set piece. There is the when there's a moment where Kira takes out um, some Cardassians, and like I wrote in the um, I wrote in the action dialogue, I said Kira beats the crap out of the Cardassians, <laughs> um, and it was like knowing that, um, knowing that everyone had to have like key moments to like one one or two per issue, so I could pace it out. Um, but that that was really important to make sure that everyone like in the core cast got highlights and like Garrick is in there very briefly, but in a very key, I think, visual <laughs> scene. <laughs> um, uh, Vic is there. I don't. That's not really a spoiler because Vic is on like the cover art, like the back <laughs> cover. <laughs> um, I will say, Vic shows up because uh, Dayton Ward um, is like one of the overseers of like. Uh, continuity in terms of like editing and so when i turned in the draft he's like i think vic would be perfect for this this part right here like why don't you just replace like you know generic character with vic and i'm like that's brilliant <laughs> and so i'm like vic with a bunch of dogs that's perfect <laughs> um so like even even though nog is like you know he's he's just piloting like the defiant but even like then, I wanted to make sure like you know we know Nog is very heroic. He is in like the heroic walking to the defiant shot. I put it very specifically like Nog has to be there. So things like that where it, even though like it's the main cast that gets like very significant beats, um, like the the supporting cast that you know that we all love. Like I wanted to make sure like they are acknowledged very specifically in there. Mm yeah like every i didn't get rom in there that's probably like the only person that oh. I, I did not i was not able to find a way to squeeze him in <laughs> he was too busy with his union duties you know so. yes exactly <laughs> forming a union yeah. <laughs> so one thing i'm curious about is that as you were writing um when you are writing for um not just like a franchise but for serialized comics mm -hmm. um, you have to balance um like Easter eggs for the diehards with um, accessibility for newcomers or people who are less familiar, or are you pitching this for like the diehards alone? Like, how do you think of your audience when you're writing? That was something that Heather and I talked about um, early on. And she said that you have to assume like people, it's not like someone's going to go from like, you know, reading something else and suddenly go like, I want to read a Star Trek comic. You know, you're, you're going to read a Star Trek comic if you're a Star Trek fan. Mm -hmm. But the level of fandom and familiarity, like this had to appeal to someone who just kind of vaguely knew, like maybe they know who Cisco, Dax and Kira are, but like they don't know, like, what's the arc of the Dominion War or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So it was important to include some exposition up front to kind of set the stakes of like where we are in the Dominion War. They let me put in a make like I made up my own star date. So I looked at the um, the Wikipedia of like the star dates for the different episodes. And so this one takes place in season six, right after the episode, His Way. 
So it's very, very specific in there. Um, but so they let me, they let me do that within, we talked about like the importance of like establishing like, you know, the dominion, like they've just reclaimed the station from the dominion. That's why it's kind of in a state of disrepair and the war is not going well. And so Admiral Ross pops up in there to basically establish that, like the war is not going well, <laughs> you know, we've lost our troops and <laughs> things like that. Um, so that way people can understand like the stakes of the galaxy at the time without having to go back and rewatch six seasons of DS9. But they should. They yeah. should watch six seasons of DS9 because it's the best show ever made. Absolutely. That's totally true that you should watch all of DS9. But I think it also like it honors the way that the show aired in its day, right? Because mm -hmm. if you were a casual fan in the 90s, you really couldn't go back and watch every yeah. episode in order. So you're kind of, you know, it was, it also like, I feel like honors the way that you might have a kind of peace field no uh, knowledge of a show, even if, if you really love it, you know, at the time. Yeah. So. And for, for people who are thinking like, oh, I, I should revisit DS9. I haven't really gotten into it. The strategy that I suggest to people right now is uh, get a watch guide for the serialized story um, because the first two seasons in particular can be a little rough, as with all Trek. Um, but get a watch guide that breaks it down each season to like maybe 12 to 15 episodes. So each season feels like a modern season length. And then by the time you get to season three, you're going to feel like, wait a minute, I really love these characters. So then you have this choice where you can go back and just rewatch from the beginning. Or you can finish the serialized storyline and then suddenly you have like an extra hundred so episodes to enjoy time with these characters after the main story ends. So I jokingly call it, it's like DLC on a video game. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for sharing this project with us and for, you know, per, uh, within your body of work, healing the Star Wars, Star Trek Wars. Those are very <laughs> Yes, I've you written can love both, both. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. What, um, am I allowed to ask what you're working on now? What's kind of on your horizon right now? My next project is a Marvel project. Um, yeah. It is a, uh, there's a five book, um, so prose, not comics. There's a five book what if series um, that changes the, you know, presents like a what if scenario. The first one is, um, is Loki and Valkyrie. Uh, the second one is Wanda and Peter Parker. And my book is book three, and it's Moon Knight and Venom. And when they told me, you want to write Moon Knight and Venom together? And like, so it, it is actually, it's not a spoiler. It's in the titles. What if Mark Spector was a host to Venom? Um, and when they told me that pitch, I'm like, I don't need to know anything more. I'm, I'm in. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> um, and so it's a five book arc. Um, there is a connected storyline throughout framed by... Um, circumstances that cannot be revealed yet. Um, but uh, like, I definitely had to look at notes from books one and two to integrate some of the framing into my book. And that comes out in October. Book one, I believe comes out in, I believe it's March and then July and then October. I believe that's the release cycle. Wow. That sounds amazing. And, you know, I don't want to, um, you know, impinge on too much of your time but if you would like to come back and talk about that sometime in October I would love to read that and chat oh with yeah you. I, I would I would totally love to <laughs> well thank you thank you so much for stopping by <laughs> thank you for having me thank you for talking about DS9 I, I, I can go on DS9 for 
hours. So <laughs> oh, it's so I, I love that. Like I can do this on the show, and you know, everybody has to listen. It's great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you again. And anyway, listeners, it is now your turn. Um, go check out DS9, the Dog of War. It is so so much fun. It's gonna feel like watching like a classic episode of a show that you I hope know and love. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It is now time to close this chapter. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.